Hey, good morning, church. You guys ready? You guys mind if I share a few stories with you? Um, last uh, Wednesday, I, was, I had a meeting up in Meeker, Colorado, northwest part of Colorado, and they were working for the Rio Blanco County Road and Bridge folks. We, my other life, we do some engineering work for them. And uh, old friends of ours, we've been doing work for them for, for years, and we were just kind of catching up before our meeting, sharing stories, and, and they were God's stories. And right before we start the meeting, Dave Moreland, the superintendent of the Road and Bridge, he says, I got one more story I got to share with you guys, just one more story. And, and this story took place a week ago Friday. Um, they were doing work up in Piance Creek, Piance Creek, as they call it up there. Um, they, uh, they, had a, they had a crew up there, and uh, the guy, the lead guy on the crew, his name was Daryl. Not, not Daryl like our former pastor, Daryl, but D-A-R-R-E-L-L. And they were, they were at Peance Creek. And Peance Creek is about 35, 40 miles away from town as the crow flies. But because the roads do all of this and through the mountains and the canyons, it's about 75, 80 miles. And Daryl's out there with the crew and starts feeling a tightness in his chest, um, Starts feeling some heart pain and didn't want to make a big thing out of something that probably wasn't a big thing. So he, he does what every guy would do. He eats an orange, takes some Tums, um, and he thinks he's feeling better. But his crew says, boss, you don't look so good. And this guy, Bernie, this big guy, Bernie, says, boss, get in the truck. We're going to town. I'm taking you into town. And I've never met Bernie before, but Bernie is this life-size, bigger-than-life-size guy. He's this huge guy. He's a former Marine. Um, He's just got this big head, big body, big bushy beard, long ponytail, hat always on backwards. Um, and, uh, but, but the real big part of this guy, he says, is his eyes. And when Bernie gets excited, his eyes are like bigger than saucers. And Bernie's driving with Daryl, the guy who's having the heart attack, in the car. And Bernie's eyes are wide open, and he's all in. Um, he's all in. Um, and Daryl is hurting now. I mean, it's really starting to hurt bad. And, and Daryl says to Bernie, do not waste any horsepower. Do not waste any horsepower. Take this baby into town. We've got to go and we've got to hurry. And this is County Road 5. And some of you guys know County Road 5. It's this windy road through the mountains and the canyons. And the guys who are telling this story, saying Bernie on the straightaways is doing like 100 miles an hour. He is all in to get Bernie back to town to, to make him alive, keep him alive. Um, the rest of the crew... The rest of the crew back uh, working on the road, they radioed ahead to tell, um, tell the dispatch that, hey, we've got one of our guys, he's hurting, you need to send an ambulance and, and meet these guys, meet them halfway. And they're trying to be cryptic on the radio because Daryl's wife also works for Rio Blanco County Road and Bridge. She's on a motor grader outside of town working on some county roads. And they, they, know, she's, they know she's listening to the radio chatter and they don't want to scare her. Um, Dave Moreland, the guy, my buddy, Roden Bridge superintendent, the guy who's sharing this story, he says, he gets on the radio and calls, calls his wife and says calmly, hey, where are you at? She says, I'm just a couple miles outside of town. Um, and Dave says, hey, c- come in. Come as soon, get in as soon as you can. Take the motor grader right into town. Drop it off at the shop. I'll meet you there. Dispatch is talking to the hospital now, telling them where the guys are, trying to coordinate where the truck, Bernie's truck and Daryl's truck will meet them. Um, the ladies in the front office are rallying together. They're trying to figure out what they can do to help, praying, for, praying together for their coworker, their friend, Daryl. And Bernie is driving like a madman now. He is, um, he, he's foreign, and he's telling Daryl over and over, do not die on me. Do not die on me. You don't want me doing mouth-to-mouth. I don't want to do mouth-to-mouth on you. Do not, do not die on me. Um, 
They finally meet the ambulance about 20 miles outside of town, and they get Daryl loaded up in the ambulance, and, and Daryl goes flatline, and they shock him right there before they take off, and they shock him, they thump him, and uh, they, they start taking off. Bernie's in the truck right behind him, and about halfway there, um, the guys in the back think they're losing Daryl, and they say, God, tells the driver, pull over, we need all hands on deck, we need you back here helping with us. The guy, they, they pull over, Bernie's right behind him. The guy who's driving the ambulance says, Bernie, you need to take us into town. Here's the keys. Drive this sucker. Drive this ambulance into town. And I don't know what kind of rules they have in Rio Blanco County, but they were saying, they were busting all the rules just to get this guy in town. Um, and, and Bernie's all in. Again, his eyes are big as saucers. Man, he's got a mission, a mission from God now. Um, he loads up in the, in the ambulance. He's flying into town. He finds the switch for the siren. You knew he would. He's all in, um, racing into town. Sirens blaring, lights flashing. Daryl's wife, he gets, gets to the shop. She gets to the shop. Dave meets her there. Uh, she knows something's up with her husband, and they drive over to the hospital, Pioneer Hospital, small town. It's two minutes away. And they get there. They beat the ambulance. Um, the ambulance pulls up about three minutes after they get there, and they see Bernie, one of them, driving the ambulance, and they're thinking, what, what has the world happened? What's happening here? Um, they rush Daryl into the ER, and he's not looking good at all, and um, they are struggling to keep him alive. In this small hospital, all the staff there is trying to keep him alive, and they ended up shocking him two more times uh, before they could get him stabilized. Flight for Life comes from St. Mary's, takes him, picks him up, take him over to St. Mary's. Dave um, tells his wife, get in the truck. We're flying. We're driving over there as fast as we can. Um, and they do surgery on him. Not this kind. Where they open up your chest, but through the groin and the stint kind. And again, this all happens last Friday, Friday night into Saturday morning. And this past Wednesday morning, Daryl, the guy who had the heart attack, the guy that they thumped four times, he walks back into the road and bridge shop like nothing's happened. Um, no big deal, like Lazarus come back from the dead. Um, tears and hugs as they welcome their friend back, as they love on their friend. And Daryl there to share the story from his perspective. And he remembers being back at the ambulance. He remembers the guy, the EMT, saying, we lost him, we lost him, we lost him. And Daryl in this unconscious state says, no, you haven't, no, you haven't, no, you haven't. <laughs> Daryl is on this side of heaven, he believes, because these folks all step up. They were all in. From his road crew that told him he was not looking good, to Bernie driving like a maniac, to the ambulance folks that kept him alive, to Bernie stepping up and driving the ambulance, to the folks back at the shop rallying and praying, to them loving on Daryl's wife all through this, all hands in, all hands on deck, all in. The question to you guys this morning, um, the question that God has laid on my heart, what would a church look like? What would our church look like if we were all in? What would a church look like if we were all in? What would a church look like if we're all doing our part, all hands on deck, like those Rio County folks? For sure, there would be a sense of urgency. A life is on the line. This is serious. What, what you do, what we do matters. What I do matters. This is real. This is not a drill. We start a new sermon series this morning called Love Is. It's going to be based on St. Paul's writing to the folks in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 13, often called the love text, timely that we started the week of Valentine's Day. This Tuesday, for you guys who may have forgotten, is Valentine's Day. Um, we're going to fuss with this te text, right? this Love Is series, right up till Easter. And I'm going to focus on the uh, beginning of it, if you will, and Pastor Patrick's going to pick it up next week. 
And these are familiar words to us, and maybe some of you guys have had them read, shared at your wedding, but I want you to focus on them. I want you to listen to them with fresh ears. Last week, Pastor Patrick talked about two kinds of change, intentional change versus drift. And if you're like me, my mind, my mind, my focus wanders. Um, it's real easy for me, for us to drift, to lose focus on what's important, even here at church, path of least resistance. Intentional change, God-led change, takes focus and discipline. And it is anything but the path of least resistance. In this letter that Paul is writing to the folks in Corinth, he's challenging them. He's raising the bar for them. You guys want to be the church? You want to really be the church? You want to be an all-in church? Here's what it's going to look like. You've got to look like this. An all-in church, you've got to love like this. Listen carefully. These are God's words. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, does not easily anger, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love is patient. I always want to add one more in there. I want to say that love does not like traffic, but I don't think that would be right. Um, love is patient. St. Paul was writing this to the folks in Corinth, and Paul, if you guys know, he was a single guy. And I don't know, as far as I know, he didn't have any kids. I'm not sure if he would be as patient um, if he had kids or had a family. I, I've got a couple of women that live in our house, my wife, Cindy, and, and Sarah, our 16-year-old. And, and we've got a dog, too. So if you count our dog, there's three girls in the house and me. And... Um, when we're trying to get ready with some time deadline on it, um, Sammy the dog and I get ready real fast, but the other two, not so much. Um, and last Saturday, we were trying to go out to dinner early and kind of beat the crowd, and uh, I'm starting to work on this Love Is sermon series, and I find myself yelling up to my wife and my daughter, love is patient, love is kind. I'm not, not exactly sure that's what Jesus meant by this text. Um, Pastor Patrick often shares stories about his family and his kids, and I, I wanted to kind of pick on my family a little bit just so his family could feel better. Um, my, my family, some of you guys know, they come to the 9.30 service, and if I'm honest, they really come to the 9.40-ish, 9.45-ish service. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. Um, three stories of life. Someone, someone much smarter than me shared this with me, that uh, there's, there's my story, there's the circle of my story. And then there's your story, a circle of your story. And then there's God's story. And when those three stories come together, when they overlap, that's where we get to do church. And, and not just in this building, but out there. And I want to say it's all church. Everything that we do is all church. And sometimes it's really good church. but Sometimes it's really, really bad church. And we just finished a sermon series called Built on This built on this um, foundational stuff for all of us to learn, to remind us not just how to do church, but to remind us how to be the church, inside and outside of these walls. And we've got those banners on the inside of our sanctuary and outside just to remind us what it means, what it looks like to be a church all in. Number one, Pastor Patrick preached on pursuing God. Seek first the kingdom of God and then the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, Love God with everything you've got and love the things that God loves. And then week two, he was reaching others. Um, Jesus' last words in Matthew's gospel, the great commission, 
Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember this, I will be with you always to the end of the ages. Go and invite the outsiders in. Tell them about Jesus. Be Jesus to them. Love on them. Love is patient. Love is kind. Sometimes we as a church, sometimes me as a church insider, we we can so forget about the outsider. We can get so inwardly focused forget about the folks that are not here yet. We forget about the great commission. We miss them, even the outsiders, right in our midst. Um, some years ago, uh, Cindy and I, we lived on the west side of town. We belonged to Abiding Hope uh, Church. And I used to, two or three times a week, I'd meet a bunch of guys from church, and we'd go run up the trails, Deer Creek Canyon trails, and uh, early in the morning. And uh, we had finished uh, running one morning. It's about 6.30 in the morning. We're talking important stuff, I'm sure, God's stuff, church stuff at the trailhead. And out of the corner of my eye, out of the periphery of my eye, I see this woman with a blanket wrapped around her. Um, and this is back in the days when we still had payphones. There was a payphone at the trailhead. She, she makes a call at the payphone. And all of a sudden, a couple, three minutes later, fire truck pulls up and they jump out and they start caring for this woman and they load her up and they take off. And we're thinking, what, what the heck was that? What was going on there? And as we're leaving the parking lot, we see where this woman came from. She had rolled her car at the entrance, at the, rolled this car down an embankment. She was hurting. She was cold. She was scared. And we missed it right there. We missed it. Um, how easy it is for us to miss the outsider, to not welcome them in, to not love on them, especially when they are hurting so. Built on series, week number one, pursuing God. Week number two, reaching others. Then week three, raising families. And Pastor Patrick brought, brought Dr. Wayne Crace with us, a great, great message, great friend, mentor of, of, of Pastor Patrick's. Challenged us to be a family, a church family. Not perfect, not always getting it, but forgiven. And bound together with God and with Jesus as a body of Christ. In those words that we say often, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Church family, the body of Christ, an all-in family. Then last week, Pastor Patrick talked about giving ourselves. And Pastor Patrick challenging us during a time of change, during a time of transition, for me, for many of us, a time of grief, um, saying goodbye to a beloved pastor, 38 years, Pastor Daryl, the guy who welcomed many of us here, welcomed me here. To some of us, he was the only pastor we knew. Then saying goodbye to Darwin, friend, gifted preacher, gifted pastor. Um, And then Pastor Patrick challenging us, instead of crying about change and the struggle, to pray about it. Asking God how God is calling us forward to change, to be more like Jesus, to be Jesus in the world, to do our part as God provides the vision. We We need to be the provision, the doers of the vision. But one thing I do, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, Christ Jesus. To love like St. Paul is challenging the church in Corinth, to be a church all in, love is patient, love is kind. Church all in, church all in prays together. We pray together, we pray for each other. A while back, uh, Cindy and I were going through a, a transition in our lives, and some folks prayed over us, prayed for us, uh, that we would have angels in our path, angels 
in our midst that would remind us how close God was to us, that we were not alone, especially when we were scared and didn't know if it was the right thing. And I love that prayer. Um, I have copied that prayer. Maybe I've prayed that prayer over you guys, that there would be angels in our path. And not angels with uh, wings or a harp, but angels that look like you and me. Um, Angels there to remind us with a kind word, with a hug, with a prayer, a blessing, if you will. Um, This is... uh, I asked Nan Berrien, she goes to the 11 o'clock service, she sings in the choir with you guys, she's an elder. I asked her if I could share this story, and she said yes. Um, Nan, as some of you, of you know, she's battling breast cancer, and she um, had major sur- surgery a month ago. Um, and I was with her family the morning of the surgery, just praying for her and over her, and right before they wheel her to surgery, Nan says, Joe, I got a, I got a God story to share with you. And I said, bring it, I love, I love God stories. And she said... Uh, this past Monday night, I went out to pick up my daughter. It was coming in from California um, late. It was like midnight, Monday night out at the airport. She's at the cell lot, DIA cell lot, um, waiting for her. She gets the call uh, from her daughter that she's in, and she goes to start the car, and it's click, 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 deader than dead. And it, again, it's, it's Monday night, it's midnight. There's not a lot of folks out at the airport at this time, but she, she flags a guy down in this big SUV vehicle, this big truck, and the guy says, sure, I'll help you. Pulls over, and, and it's a brand new truck. He opens up the hood. They cannot find the battery. I mean, the, they're so complicated, the, the engine box, they can't find the battery. And Nan's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. The guy says, I'm sorry, man, but I'll help you find somebody. And they're looking around, and again, it's midnight on Monday night. There's not, not a lot of folks out there, but they, they see this young guy, this young, young kid, 20 year old kid. He's in a beater of a car, and they knock on his window and say, hey, hey, can you help us? Can you give us a jump? And he says, sure. And he goes over and starts, they start working on the car, getting the car started. And then the, the kid says, um, you know, why are you here? Who are you picking up? And Nan says, I'm picking up my daughter. And he says, well, are you, do you, are you, is it going to be a fun visit? And she says, no, I, I've got cancer surgery this week. And uh, he says, wow. Hey, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right here? And this guy, this stranger, this angel in the DIA cell parking lot puts his arms around her and prays this beautiful prayer for Nan. Prays that the cancer be gone, go away. Um, um, later, um, Nan shared with me, uh, Nan's uh, uh, single and she, she has her mom, a 91-year-old mom living with her. And uh, um, Nan is sharing this story with her mom and uh, Nan's mom says, well, did you get the guy's number? Um, <laughs> lo- love is patient. Love is kind. Um, <laughs> God love moms. Uh, back the first part of January, um, we were trying to help uh, uh, a young mom out. She's got a couple, three kids. She had busted up her car, broke her car, and she needed a new car. And we were trying to help her raise money to get a down payment on the car. And uh, we had, Anita McKnight was helping me with this, and she had done most of the heavy lifting, and I, my mission was to, to, to uh, try to raise another couple hundred bucks. We needed $1,400 to make the down payment. And um, Neil Barkley and a bunch of guys asked me, uh, Cindy and I, to come speak at the, the 9.30, uh, Cindy and I to speak at the 9.30 Sunday school hour. And in my mind, I'm thinking, at the end of this, I'm going to pass the hat, and I'm going to ask these guys to see if we can take care of this, this young woman. And... You know, I go do my thing there, and I, I, uh, I space it out totally that I was supposed to do that. In fact, Nita McKnight had given me an envelope just to remind me, Joe, don't forget, we need, tomorrow we need this, $200. And 
And I totally spaced it out, and I kind of finished the lesson, and, and we're dispersing. And right, right at the end, um, Neil Barkley says, he, I mean, he's throwing me this softball. He says, Joe, whenever you need help, whenever you, this is the group that can help you. This is the core of the church. These folks have been around forever. If you need anything, ask these guys. And I, I swing and miss, totally miss it. And, and they're, they're going, I pray over them, they go, and I, and I say, shoot, I missed it. I missed it, and I, I'm, really, I'm really worried that Nita is going to be really angry with me. And I, and I, uh, I remembered I had, had two $100 bills in my wallet. Um, at work, my engineering work, the CEO, every Christmas he comes around and wishes everybody a Merry Christmas and gives us two $100 bills. And I tucked the, those bills in my wallet, and I said, I'm going to surprise my wife. Sometime when we least expect it and we don't have the money to do something, I'm going to over-the-top surprise my wife with this $200. We'll do something extravagant, um, like Rocky's tickets for opening day, something that she would love for sure. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm projecting. Um, but uh, uh, um, so I, I pulled that, you know, I remember that I had those two $100 bills, and I Pull it, pull it out, put it in the envelope, and I tell Nita, Nita, we got it. We got the, the $1,400. We're good to, to pay for this car. Um, that, that was Sunday morning. And uh, Sunday afternoon, I find myself bumming about giving that money that I had kind of dedicated to surprising my... I was bummed about it, and I was bummed that I was bummed about it. And uh, folks have told me that in Scripture, there's a text that says, God loves a, a joyful giver. I've never seen it myself, but they tell me it's in there. And I was not, I was not a cheerful giver. Um, um, that was Sunday night. Uh, it was still bothering me Tuesday morning. And I, was, I was, had some quiet time. I was praying with God. I said, God, I don't want to feel this way. This, I, I, I feel bad that I feel bad about this. And I, I just prayed, God, just take this away from me. But... If you really want me to have that $200 for my wife to surprise her, you got to do your part, okay? Um, Pastor Patrick challenged us last week. Um, he said, when we work, work. But when we pray, let God work. Um, I prayed that prayer Tuesday morning, and then Tuesday is my church, one of my church days here, and I did my church stuff, and at the end of the day, I went to my mailbox, and uh, um, there's an envelope in there. There's a note, a thank you note, and there's two $100 bills. And then I'm thinking, I should have prayed for more. <laughs> oh, love is patient. Love is kind. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Um, last story, or one of my last stories. Um, and I steal this story from Tony Campolo. He wrote a book called uh, The Kingdom of God is Like a Party. And Tony Campolo is a great teacher, preacher, writer, and he's in Hawaii for some special teaching engagement, and he, he's all messed up because of the time change, and he's, he gets up in his hotel and walks across the street to an all-night diner, and it's just he and the guy, Harry, behind the counter, and Tony's having a donut and a cup of coffee, and there's nobody else in there. Three o'clock in the morning, 3.30 rolls around, and the place explodes. All these women, scantily clad women, prostitutes, come in, and they are loud and obnoxious and crass and cussing, and Tony's just about ready to leave when one of the prostitutes, her name is Agnes, she says, hey, guys, guys, tomorrow is my birthday. 39 years old tomorrow. And one of the other prostitutes sarcastically says, Agnes, what do you want us to do, throw you a party? Uh, and they all laugh, um, but Agnes, almost to herself, she says, you know, I've never had a birthday party. Um, and they, they goof around a little bit more, but they all leave. And it's just Tony and Harry, the guy behind the counter. 
And Tony says, uh, hey, do those guys come in every night at this time? And Harry says, yeah, like clockwork, they're always here. And that gal, that, that gal is going to have the birthday party, Agnes, she comes too. Says, yeah, they're, they're always here. Why do you ask? And Tony says, how about you and I? How about you and I, we throw a surprise party for Agnes tomorrow night. And his eyes light up big like saucers, like Bernie's, and he's all in. And he says, I'll even make a cake. And my wife who works in the back, she'll, she'll help us too. So the next night, um, Tony comes in early. Gets, he's got streamers and balloons and a big sign that says, happy birthday, Agnes. And uh, they get it all ready. And word got out on the street that they were going to have this party for Agnes. And, and all these prostitutes are there early. And, and the place is packed. And then right at 3.30, just like clockwork, Agnes comes in with a friend. And they yell, surprise, happy birthday, Agnes. And she's, she's taken back. She is stunned. Birthday party. Birthday party for me. And they start singing, uh, they light the candles on the cake, they start singing, happy birthday to Agnes. Um, and just picture this scene, 3.30 in the morning, these pro- a, a diner crowded with prostitutes, Tony Campolo, Harry, and his wife singing happy birthday to, to Agnes. Um, they finish singing, and before they cut the cake, Agnes says, hey guys, um, would it be okay if I, if I took the cake home? I want to show this cake to someone. And before they can answer, Agnes takes the cake, and goes out of the diner. And they are there by themselves, like stunned. You know, the, the, the birthday party girl, the birthday girl has left. Um, and then Tony says, you know, in a moment, it was a God-inspired moment. He says, hey, let's, let's pray for Agnes. And they all bow their heads, and they pray for Agnes. And Tony prays that uh, Agnes is going to be okay, that Agnes stays healthy, that Agnes um, comes to know Jesus, and that she's going to be all right, that, she, that her heart, her life will be saved this loving prayer. Um, after the prayer, Harry um, says, I didn't know you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? And Tony says in a, in a God-inspired moment, he says later, he says, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes. I belong to a church. And then Tony says, uh, or uh, Harry says, no way. There's no church like that. If there was a church like that, I would, I would belong to it. A church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes. Um, I believe Jesus would be part of that church, church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes. I want to be a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes. And I believe that we as a church want to be a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes. All in, all in. I am the pastoral care minister here at church, and one of the true blessings I get to be involved with here are funerals or celebration of life services. And every one of them for me is a blessing. And I love doing them. It is, there's always, always holy ground. But the last thing I want to do is a funeral for this church. And I believe in my heart if we don't rally together through this time of change, if we don't pull together, if we're not all in, all in. I don't know if some of you guys were here Many of you guys were here when Pastor Darrell gave his last sermon back in October. Do you guys remember his charge to us? He said, now I commit you to God. Now I commit you to God. And he named every one of us, not personally, but he named kind of our situation. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now I commit you to God. I hold you up to God. I promise you to God. You want to see one ticked off retired pastor who lives in Boise now come back here and kick every one of us in the tails. We disavow that commitment. 
we throw that away. Nope, this change stuff is too hard. I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. Okay, this is my last, last story, okay? Do you guys know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) They're laughing at us, Patrick. They're laughing at us. Um, Okay, Super Bowl. um, Third quarter. um, Patriots are down 28 to 3. And I've never been a Tom Brady fan, um, quarterback for the Patriots. But I'm becoming, I'm beginning to become one. I don't know if you guys heard the story, but Tom Brady had dedicated that game to his mom, who was very sick. Um, and uh, I don't know if this really happened, but in my mind's eye, I want to believe that this happened. Third quarter late, they're down 28 to 3, and Tom Brady gets his team around him. He huddles them around. He says, guys, guys, you know I dedicated this game to my mom. I told my mom I was going to play the game of my life for her. I told her that we were ready, that we were going to play lights out today. And we are stinking up the joint. I'm stinking up the joint. It's got to stop right now. Right now. Are you in? Are you all in? And he gets in their grill and he says, are you all in? Are you with me? Are you guys with me? It changes. It stops right now. We turn the sucker around. Are you in? All in on three. One, two, three. And he counts them in. And I don't know how they did it, but I believe they had to be all in to turn that game around. The announcers kept saying that no one had come back from a Super Bowl win down more than 10 points. What's it look like? What's our church church look like if we are all in? What's a church all in look like? It's a church where we, if we need an ambulance driver, we step up and drive the ambulance. And we are all in. It's not timid. We are boldly driving the ambulance, eyes wide open, sirens blaring. What's a church all in look like? It's a church when we need to pray for someone, we step up like the guy in the parking lot in the middle of the night. We put our arms around the stranger and we pray. We pray the cancer goes away. What's a church all in look like? It's a church when we're 200 bucks short to help pay for a car. We do it not begrudgingly like me, but we do it with a joyful, joyful heart because it's what God tells us to do, to take care of the orphans and the widows in our midst. What's a church all in look like? It's a church that throws birthday parties at 3.30 in the morning for prostitutes. What's a church all in look like? It's a church down 28 to three, and they rally. It's a church that says we do our best work when our back's up against the wall. We got this. Guys, we got this. Really, God's got this. And Jesus, God gave us his son Jesus to show us the way, to love us on the way, and and no more so than from the cross. Jesus said, I love you guys. I love you guys not this much, not this much, but this much. I love you guys. Could you guys um, pray with me? Um, 1 Corinthians 13, starting with the fourth verse. You guys could pray along with me. Pray this together. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Are you guys ready? Are you ready to be all in? Let me pray us out of this. Um, Heavenly Father, um, 
Lord, you challenge us to be a church worthy of you going to the cross for us. Lord, you are all in for us. Lord, help us. Help us take baby steps to be all in for you. I pray this for myself, and I pray this for our church. I pray this in your son Jesus' name, and all God's people said very loudly, amen, amen. amen.